0: Welcome to another episode of Live Sound Bootcamp, where we figure out the best way to point a speaker at your head. I'm Brendan (laughs) Draper. I'm Joe Santarpia. (laughs) To the dome. I'm
1: Ryan John. Right to the dome. Got you
0: laughing, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, yeah, let's talk about speakers today and our whole front of house system, like how we're going to set it up, where we're going to point it, what devices we're using, um, to get sound into people's ears at a concert, I feel like this is a rabbit hole. Yep. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: I, I think my my answer for all of these questions you were, you were kind of bringing up there is is iPod earbuds.
2: <laughs> that's
1: the. I mean, silent disco, right? Yeah, you know that's a thing. We 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 should probably add that to our list of speakers because you know what, some people are really really pushing for that this whole everyone wears headphones thing
2: yeah true
1: it's got to be such a weird experience have you been to one of those
2: oh it's terrible. yeah
0: <laughs> it's there's so. It, what's it like why do you say with a question mark i mean i've never had a great time at it it's always been like kind of a strange experience but like <laughs> they're always like during the day at festivals kind of like on the side of like the stage somewhere you know and so it's like broad <laughs> daylight and you're like moving around with everybody kind of dancing weird and it's like everyone's dancing to different music too because you can switch between channels oh. sometimes oh that's and are they not are they not like in the same tempo or anything not no sometimes there's three different djs
1: oh man that that's my new product i need to make and release and and sell to the world is is keeping multiple djs on the same tempo track oh <laughs> because <laughs> then at least if everyone's dancing to whatever they want they can at least look, look like they're dancing in
2: time yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Oh fuck i hate I, it I hate when i'm it a millionaire
1: next week i'll let you guys know
2: uh i really hope Wait, Joe, I, I hope Joe, that you, works you check you. this out i've been yeah i've been to a few i there's a couple i recall that are just i don't know it's just kind of cringy man to me like because uh, especially if you if you make the mistake of taking the headphones off and then it's just actually silent and you see everyone, like seeing man, people do so it is, is sketchy you know like uh, i can't do it <laughs> I can't. I can't watch.
1: You know, it's interesting because I've cause I've I've seen them happen, but I've never I've never gotten the headphones. So all I've seen is the cringy <laughs> part. <laughs> well, what do you think? And, what did and you subsequently? Think? I got no desire to do it. It just looks <laughs> weird. Yeah. 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 It's terrible, oh, man. It did. It it's like it's like the it's like the, a section from a zombie film or something like that before they've gone completely lethargic. Yeah. Like it doesn't really make a lot of sense and it's like strange movement and I think what I saw also was everyone had a time, kinda like you were describing, Brendan. Mm-hmm. So it, it just it just looked weird. Yeah. Speaking of uh things looking weird, let's talk about <laughs> PA coverage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's start there. No,
0: I don't know how that looks weird. <laughs> Reel it in boys uh, it, well maybe it's a function one system oh <laughs> what's our what's our goal with system design what are we doing coverage coverage is the goal you're gonna hear that
2: word a lot talking about live sound and what does that mean um, well somewhat self-explanatory context clues here coverage uh, it's you know the ability uh, of a speaker to reach um, a place uh, where it's intended to reach so you want equal coverage ideally equal coverage throughout your venue meaning you want the same um s- sonic quality from the speakers uh, at all points in the venue you know and this is done with uh, a variety of different speaker types you know you're not you're not necessarily pointing uh, you know the same type of speaker at all different places you have mains you have subs you right, have, right all these different things um so yeah so what what kind of speakers are there? I guess is the next question.
1: Well, I, I think even before we jump to that, I think there's even maybe a point to make that there are multiple different kinds of coverage. Right? There is uh, SPL coverage. You know, volume. We want to make sure this volume is the same uh-huh, from uh-huh. seat row one to row one hundred. Yeah. But then also there's frequency response. Yeah. Coverage, tonality. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we want to make sure that the tonality and the frequency response is roughly the same from you know row one yeah. to row one hundred. And often getting one of those right means sacrificing the other one a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Or like getting I mean, one or getting one place right potentially means sacrificing a little bit to another place, you know. It's about uh, finding finding a balance.
0: Yeah, in general we're making sacrifices in certain areas to enhance other aspects, right? So like yeah. we're going after perfection, which is maybe not possible depending on what your venue is, right? It's always yeah. going to sound different anywhere you are, no matter how, how much you tweak the system, but it's possible. Unless get... it's a silent disco. Right. Or an anechoic chamber <laughs> or something like that. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, 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 you're right. You're right. But I guess the, uh, the ideal is you have even frequency frequency response and the same volume at every seat in the house, right? Yeah, that, that, that right. would be quote unquote perfect coverage.
2: That'd be perfect coverage. So, yeah.
1: That, ba- you know, back, back to what you were saying though, Joe, uh, each seat in the house gets sound potentially from different speaker sources, yeah, you know when you've got a really small uh, venue, you may only have two speakers, right? so they may be stereo or I uh, hell there there are some venues where it's just one mono speaker. Mm-hmm. I remember mixing at some of these. It was tough uh, <laughs> but uh, in that, in those contexts, it's one speaker type hitting everybody uh, as you get larger in scale. You might have, as Joe said, you know, front fills, uh, out outfills, main PA, bar fills. You might have a different type of speaker at the edges of the front fill and different type of speaker in the center. And these are all intended to optimize coverage. Even though they're all different types of speakers in all these different places, the idea is that ultimately they work together to achieve even coverage everywhere. So you know the simplest type of speaker is is point source right it's like your your standard little box, which typically has a woofer and a horn uh i mean what's what's the basics there?
0: The basic is just like one driver in a box right or they call it a point source because it's pointing from one one source so there's only like this box is aiming sound out of it like in a single point. Um, obviously, it spreads out once it comes out of the speaker cone, but it just means that there's a singular one, right?
1: Yeah, it's a singular source. I mean, yes. so what's, what's the perk of using a point source speaker? Like, what what's good about
0: it? Once you get into using multiple sources, you're going to run into, you can run into potential problems, right? Like, if you've got one speaker right next to you and then another one that's like 30 feet away, you're going to have... Comb filtering in the sound that you're hearing because of the cancellation caused by the two the two sources hitting your ears at different times, right? So or coupling, yeah. Right, yeah. The more you add, the more the more sources you have to deal with hitting your ears at different times. Um, so, yeah, the, I, I think the main benefit of a point source box is that everything is coming out of that one source. You don't have any any possibility of like degrading the frequency spectrum of the sound.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, like a, like a single point source box has pretty darn even coverage coming out of it in all directions. Well, in the directions it's, you know, aimed at, per se. And, I, you know, we talked about this earlier in an earlier episode that speakers you buy, they have a dispersion pattern, you know, horizontal and vertical. Right. And point source boxes have this as well. But since it is a singular point, you've got one point spitting out audio at this point Width and this, uh, you know, vertical angle, and it's pretty even, and there's no issues with multiple speakers causing comb filtering or anything like that. And that's, I guess, the biggest benefit of point source, right?
2: Mm-hmm. What happens when you start adding multiple point source speakers? Uh, well, I don't know. Brendan, what happens?
0: <laughs> oh, is, is that on me? <laughs> I it mean, is once- now. Once you add more, then you, uh, when you're designing your system, you have to take into account where you're going to put them, obviously, and how it's going to add to your cover, like it's how it's going to enhance your coverage, right? Like, so if you've got one point source box up, where's the best place to put the next one? I mean, typically, if you go into a smaller venue that has just two point source boxes for their PA, it's going to be one on the left side of the stage and one on the right side of the stage, right? Right, right. <laughs> And your best point, they're optimizing for the best sound at like the center of the, r- or that you can get from the center of the room, right? So...
1: Right, the overlap in the coverage between the two exactly. Speakers. Yeah, the,
0: the overlap there is going to provide the best coverage for that room. Where
1: I guess it becomes a real problem, though,
0: mm-hmm. is...
1: Point sources typically are, you know, as, as I just mentioned, they have a particular dispersion pattern, right? And it is, let's f- use an example. Let's pretend it's 30 degrees wide. This speaker spits out sound in 30 degrees of width, 15 degrees to the left of the center point, 15 degrees to the right. You know, it's kind of like a little flashlight. But mm-hmm. what if you need uh, 50 degrees of coverage? At this point, typically what would happen was someone would put another point source right next to it and kind of rotate it so it's pointing to cover the rest of that angle. Right. But where it becomes a problem is that if these two point sources are putting out the same audio, let's say these are both the left channel of a PA, then where they overlap is going to have comb filtering. Right. And the reason there is because there's multiple drivers putting out the same thing, and as you move your head closer or farther from one of the drivers and farther or closer from the other driver, your head, you, you hear these arriving in your ear at different times, and the waveforms then cancel, and some in a comb-filtering way. I mean, it's kind of hard to describe that without having a visual to show somebody, so I would right. suggest you Google that and look it up. And I'm sure there's a million audio examples you could find, too, un- unless you guys know a good way to describe it.
0: I would check out that video that... um the guy from Rat Sound, he did like a video where he like really explains this using pink noise and he's taking like two two pink noise sources that are the exact same source and kind of like moving them around a microphone and then two different pink noise sources and he kind of like shows mm-hmm. how like cancellation works, you know, if you have the same audio content coming out of both speakers, then when you move those speakers you're getting comb filtering, right? But if it's yeah. if it's different right. sources, then You don't, right.
1: So I guess guess the the gist of that kind of workflow is if you need to get a wider coverage than your point source box provides you, you can add another box, but try and make sure they don't overlap in coverage as best you can. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you need 50 degrees wide um, and you have 30 degree boxes, maybe you should just set it up so you get 60 degrees wide so that they overlap very little and then, you know, you waste some of that audio, if you will. It goes into the walls. Wherever it doesn't need to cover. But if it's going into the walls, you know, that's another whole thing. Or if it's thrown onto the stage, that's another whole thing. So right, it, it, it's, as Joe said, it is a push-pull. Like, you, you you win some of it, you lose some of it as, as you kind of go here. It's, it is a compromise. Yeah. After, after Point Source, what what came next in, in the world of music and audio?
2: <laughs> well, you know, uh, at some point, someone said, to hell with that. And had had enough of comb filtering <laughs> and, uh, you know, unwanted uh, audio summing. And so they uh, they designed the Line Array. And the Line Array is, um, you know, th- what you'd think of when you see those big kind of like awkwardly curved hanging uh, stacks of speakers. Um, uh, you know, they, they, there's, they, there's generally like a, a, a J-ish kind of curve, you know, the ang- angle s- specific and all that. Um and what a liner array does is a liner array kind of plays off of that comb filtering. A liner array has multiple uh, boxes, uh, typically similar, very similar or identical boxes, um, and they're all working together. And they're designed in a way that um, their frequency response is kind of playing off of that comb filtering and um, creating one cohesive. Uh, picture, if you will, um, with, with all of them working together. Does that make sense?
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. And in theory, instead of it being a point in space that is the source of the sound, it is an actual line. And usually right. that line is, you know, a vertical line, right? And, and the easy reason for that is that we have ears on the left and right side of our head in a horizontal plane. So a vertical line doesn't really mess with us much, Yeah. whereas a horizontal line would... Yeah. Does that does that make mm-hmm. sense, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, left and right being kind of put at you up and down would be it would be weird. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um what's the major perk of a line array?
2: More even coverage throughout your space. Ideally. I mean, that's that's the idea. Yeah. You know, that's that's the intent. You'd be surprised uh how many of them are super fucked up and don't actually achieve that. <laughs> but <laughs> You know, that's that's another topic. Uh, that's the idea, though.
1: I, g- I guess here we now need to kind of tie the speaker types into the coverage here a little bit in that there are some rooms that a point source is better for. Absolutely. And there are some spaces where a line array is better. And I, g- I guess we need to find a way to put those into words.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I would say a space where it wasn't uh, where where the focal point the audience if you will wasn't kind of all in one compacted area you know if it was a place with like uh, a deep balcony and you know the right. f- from the stage and and hanging you know a, a line array of speakers would just kind of get messed up from the balcony um you know you might have point sources under the balcony right um a lot of times you see that for outfills anyways if it is a deep balcony they'll have you know point sources under underneath you know and kind of zones is the key word i guess right you know uh, separate zoning mm-hmm. Um, you, might, you might benefit from a point source scenario.
1: Yeah, I, I, guess, I guess in my head, the simplest way I always try to explain it to people is if you've got a single speaker and you're trying to cover, let's say, 50 feet of depth in your venue, the people that are right at the front are going to be, I don't know, 10 feet away from the speaker. The people that are at the back are going to be, I don't know, 55 feet away from the speaker you know because the little triangle it creates Mm -hmm. so obviously the people in the back get a lot quieter uh of a shell and the difference there between doing that with a point source and doing that with a line array is that the line array when it is at very low angle like the angle between the boxes when it's pretty much a straight line all those boxes couple together and they kind of end up with more directive power and they are they are able to throw sound farther. Um, and this is why you see the J shape a lot, is that the straighter they are, the more it can throw. The more they curve, slightly less distance it can throw, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have a straight section of the line array pointing to the farthest seats in the house, those guys at, I mean, 50 feet's a bad example for a line array, but you know, those people at 50 feet, they get more power thrown to them. And as you get to the front, they've got the... J portion of the line array where it's a little bit more curved and they're getting less power thrown at them. So you end up with more even volume from back to front in those scenarios. But if you don't have a really deep room where you need to cover this length or height, you know, things like balconies, like maybe it's just a, a smaller wide room. Point mm-hmm. sources do
2: cover that better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah. is that pretty yeah. close to what you guys feel or what you guys see? Yeah, no, no, no. I think that's that's a good way to put it.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, especially if you have a venue with a balcony, like even if it's a smaller venue, you know, uh, those those boxes in the line array up at the top are going to throw that sound to the people standing up in the balcony, you know, because um, they're more level with it. If you just had the point sources, you would be sacrificing coverage like we talked about um, by aiming it either down towards the front or up. Or somewhere in the middle and then like everyone is kind of screwed, you know, if you're trying to cover the right. whole area with a point source.
1: Yeah, but in, in the same way that Joe had mentioned, there are spaces where the point source makes total sense. You know, things like sure. under balconies, bar fills, um, even front fills, you know, because your goal is not to cover a really long distance. Right. Instead, you're trying to cover a very uh, fixed area, if you will. So right. I, I guess that jumps into main speaker placement. I mean, Brendan, you just kind of jump right into it there, honestly. Uh, it's Where where we put these things is all dependent upon what we need to cover. Mm-hmm. So if we do have a uh, large venue with a large balcony, we're going to want to make sure that our speaker placement covers that balcony. And mm-hmm. also remember that any time there's an object or, or something there, it casts a shadow, if you will, for the speaker. It, I think we had mentioned this in an earlier episode. Think of speakers like flashlights. And anywhere where there's a shadow of that speaker, um, certain frequency is going to be blocked. Yep. So if you have a balcony that's quite low, um, you may have patrons that are blocked between where they are and where the PA is. So they might be able to see the stage because the stage is quite low, but the mm-hmm. PA might be quite high in the air, and that is hitting the upper section of the balcony and is not hitting the people under the balcony. Mm -hmm. In those kind of scenarios, you do need to add some extra coverage uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, those guys get clear top end. So in terms of main speaker placement, the idea is ultimately to make sure you cover as much of the audience as possible and at the same time try and keep the PA roughly the same distance away from the audience as possible, if that makes sense. Is, is, does that make sense yeah yeah <laughs> i think i think the trying to keep the pa the same distance thing is a little bit of a, a little bit of a i don't know it, it's it's obviously impossible in some scenarios right you know to- totally front row the in pe- an arena yeah and, the people the in the back row, right?
2: are gonna obviously be further away but anything you can do to mitigate you know if if it means that like even if it's like the, what you know in in a, in a line array it's like maybe like a six or seven foot difference between like the front of the top box and like the back of the bottom one, you know, anything, everything helps. I guess that jumps into, you know, ground stack PAs
1: versus flown.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you're, well, first of all,
1: what is ground
0: stacked? Ground stack just means your PA is sitting on the ground, right? Like, yeah. Or the stage. Yeah. Typically, you know, either on the stage or on the ground next to the stage. And, you know, if you're at a festival or a bigger concert, you're going to see the line arrays which are flown or like hanging from a truss or the ceiling. Um, and then, yeah, the opposite of that is a ground stack. So the speakers, the speakers are usually depending on how many of them, they're just dropped right on the ground. Or on the front of the stage and stacked up on top of each other. Or on like a bracket yeah, or that sits on, on the subs ground.
1: Or something like that, or on, on brackets, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, usually people are using the fly bracket, but flipped over upside down, right. and the whole thing's upside down. But mm-hmm. mind you, you know, a ground stack PA doesn't have to be a line array stacked upside down. It can right. just be a set of point sources. That is a ground stacked array. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. totally. And
1: but so, so where are the scenarios where you'd need to use ground stack?
0: if you've got nothing to hang a PA from, then <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> You're going ground stack. <laughs> don't
2: really have a choice there. What? You don't, you don't make your interns just hold them in the air. <laughs> That'd still technically be a ground stack unless they, uh, no, <laughs> unless they're hanging
0: from the ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: They're suspended. Uh, yeah. A, a oh, trust man. made out of
0: interns and, and some of them have to hang.
1: Sweet. <laughs> I feel like OSHA would not be into that. No. no, no. Anyways, I, I am I am massively not a fan of ground stack PAS, and the reason is is that typically the first couple rows getting, are getting two wrecked. feet away from from a line array box. They're just getting yeah. absolutely hammered. Yeah. And you know the tonality of line array PA boxes. Is completely different from two feet away, as opposed to fifteen feet away, which yeah. is where all the separate drivers in it have actually coupled together. Yeah, you know, when when you're when you're a foot away from it, you move left to right. You can, I mean, physically, the the the, the speaker is already four feet wide right so Mm -hmm. if you're moving left to right your your tonality is changing um because you're in front of different drivers at (laughs) at different times so i'm i'm massively not a fan of ground stack and if things need to be ground stacked i'd much prefer point source ground stacked Mm -hmm. um because you stick your head in front of a point source box it um sounds like a speaker you stick your head you know a foot in front of a line array box it typically sounds like a bunch of different drivers doesn't actually combine very well (laughs) until it's a couple feet away you know yeah
0: yeah and and depending on where they're stacking the speakers too like 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 we were saying before with the flashlight analogy if you've got a bunch of people in front of a ground stack you know hopefully the the high frequency drivers are above everyone's head so that they shoot over the front row but if they're (sighs) you know if it's a smaller thing and they're low down then you're going to be blocking all those frequencies from everybody in the back of the room so
1: it's Yeah that that one tall guy in the front is yeah. just going to be a going <laughs> deaf but he's just going to be ruining the yeah. show for everyone else
0: Yeah
2: you know or
1: or when kids decide to come up and sit on top of the subs and they're just sitting right in front of the ground stack sh- oh, I'm sure you've God. seen this I
0: yeah. I did a show where every, for some reason no one from the venue stopped people from climbing up on top of these giant like six foot subs they were like a it was a function one system actually bins. yeah yeah and the uh the horns were right on top of them but back a little bit so like they could actually sit in front of the horns and it was a very Looks dynamic like a good show place but, to have a picnic <laughs> a good place to have a scare because when the first like drop of the show hit they all just like jumped three feet in the air because there was like. <laughs> It was a really dynamic moment, you know, it was, was, you know, it was fun. It it, It was special. It might be, it might be prudent at this point to just
2: take a moment and, and, uh, and kind of tell people that they should consider that. Like if if you're a, a front of house engineer starting out, you have to consider that a lot of these mixed positions are in the back of the room and like, yeah, it might sound good. And like, maybe not too loud, but you know, nice and beefy where you are in the back. But chances are, if it's a bigger room, The people in front, if you're feeling like nice and good out there, uh, the people Mm -hmm. in front are getting absolutely destroyed and that's where the most like enthusiastic people are. So they're almost more important. So I don't know. Be mindful of the people in front, you know, if if, we
1: don't like destroying enthusiasm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If you need to, you know, it's all about making sacrifices. If it needs to sound a little bit dull and maybe a little bit quiet out at front of house to like make it a good experience for the people in front and not something that's painful, uh, you know, be mindful.
1: You no, know, you know, that's a really good point, Joe. I mean, that's probably something we should have jumped into in coverage. I guess I was thinking about it but I didn't want to interrupt.
2: yeah, like front of house like
1: positions that. are very often, very often not in the coverage of the PA. Yeah. Definitely. You know, they're especially as you're coming up in, in 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 the world of this. You know, you go through a lot of smaller venues where front of house is in a back corner. Yeah. Hell, I've been into uh venues where front of house is in a back room. Yeah. yeah. Through a yeah. window. You know. No, uh, sometimes dude. there's glass, sometimes there isn't. <laughs>
0: I've had to mix yeah. from a closet, a spot in like Anaheim? a closet where I'm looking in a mirror so I can see the stage. Yeah,
1: well, that sounds really, really strange. <laughs> yeah. but, but you know, you know what? Let, let's let's jump off you got the a technical stuff for a moment here. Yeah, I know, right? At least you can see the stage. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's jump off the ultra technical here for a moment. And uh, Joe, when you get stuck in a front of house position that is not representative of what the main portion of the audience is hearing what are your methods for getting around that
2: uh well take take make mental notes at soundcheck i mean obviously walk the room everyone's going to tell you walk the room all the time super important um as much as you can obviously when you're when you're mixing it's it's hard to but if you can you know do it um If you, you know, cans, you know, we've stressed this enough, headphones, you know, trust your headphones, get headphones that you trust, learn them, you know, like develop your relationship with them and, uh, and, um, you know, just be aware of it all, you know, be aware of where you are. Yeah. Make that walk during sound check, say, okay, it sounds like this right in front. It sounds like this in the middle, you know, and it sounds like this out front, you know, it's like, so, so I know This, this, this is, this is what happens to me 90% of the time. I'll know that at front of house, if it's, like I said before, a little bit quiet, maybe a little bit muddy, like that, that really crisp top end is kind of, you know, not quite there. Mm -hmm. um, Then usually the people in the middle and front are having, are having a great show. You know, the second you're in the back of a room and it's, and it's rocking, you know, you're destroying the people in front. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Brendan, what about, what about yourself?
0: I mean, I do the same thing, walk the room, especially during sound check and take note, mental notes of how it, how different it sounds. And also, like, keep an eye on meters and, yeah. like, an RTA or a FFT if you have it at front of house. You know, that way you can, if you know, once you like walk the room and you're like, okay, it sounds fucking great, like down, down in the center of the room where most people are going to be, then take a note of like, what your your meters and your rta look like at front of house now and then like try and stay consistent through the show yeah. you know I- identify hot yeah.
2: spots as, oh, as well that's another thing you know we talked about coupling there's going to be a spot mm-hmm. in the middle or area probably of the room that the you know the subs couple and the low mid couples and everything kind of gets a lot beefier um you know mm-hmm. important to consider as well the, if the low end is like you know kind of lacking somewhere in the back corner you might not know you might be again destroying the people in the in the hot spot where all that stuff is coupling so
1: i i really want to harp on what you just said though joe about getting headphones you trust yeah um i know that a long time ago when i was doing a lot of crap rooms you know wasn't carrying desks things like that the thing that i did carry with me was a set of headphones that I knew really, really, really well. And I remember uh, that I would keep like a 25 or 50-foot headphone extension with me. Oh, wow. And I would tune my PA to match my headphones. Yeah. So I would walk walk into the room with this ridiculous headphone extension, listen to my headphones, listen to the PA, listen to my headphones, listen to the PA, go back, make a little bit of a tweak, and then kind of go back and forth. Mm. Yeah. And mind you, the room totally changes when when it fills up. But at least you know what's coming out of the speakers is pretty close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when you go back to front of house, if you're going, oh man, this is really dull. It doesn't seem right. Throw on your cans. You go, okay, this
2: is what they're hearing up there.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and it should cover it at least reasonably.
2: I, I believe there's an, then, a, there's a Dave Rat video about this as well, where he uses that exact method.
1: Yeah, I mean, in certain scenarios, it's it's what makes sense if you are not going to be in the coverage of the PA. Totally. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the other thing, Brendan, that you mentioned, you know, the RTA, um, mm-hmm. I think it's really valuable to get tools that allow you to view what's coming out of your desk mm-hmm. and separately view what is in the air where you are, right? So the difference there is if you have the ability to view an RTA or an FFT or a measurement of what's coming out of your desk, in theory you know what is coming out of the speakers, you know, with the assumption that, you know, you corrected for any issues there, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you have the ability to stick a microphone in a position, you can then measure that against what's coming out of the speakers, right? So if, if you're in right. a crap position and your coverage doesn't hit you, it almost doesn't matter what the microphone near you measures. Mm-hmm. So in that point, the RTA in for the microphone in that space doesn't matter. But the RTA for what's coming out of your desk really, really does. Right. And you should be able to look at it and go, that is about what a good sounding show looks like. And I know I know that sounds weird. No, but no, man. the more you do shows, you get more and more used to what your preferred EQ curve is. Not EQ curve, your preferred kind of measurement curve of yep. what's coming out of your desk. Yeah. I, so, I, I mean, I, I imagine you guys have seen the same, right?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, when I'm mixing at home too, like when I'm spitting stuff out of Pro Tools, like same thing. I look at an RTA that compares like my references and what I'm going after. And then, yeah, in a venue too, same thing. And I've, I've, I keep hearing this over and over again from other podcasts and videos. Yeah. They know what their EQ curve looks like and they can tell when something's off just by like, I mean, they hear it too, but they, can glance at that and like know for certain like yeah something's wrong here
2: it's 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 not about substituting a visual thing for your ears because you know obviously that's not what we're out out to do here it's just about being informed you know, just being informed, looking at data. This is actual shit that's happening in physics right now. <laughs> and, you know, being informed with that information,
0: you know? Yeah, your your ears can lie. To, like, if you're a little congested, your ears are lying to you, right? Like, if, yeah. if you're... True. Or if you've done 60 shows in a row. Yeah. Your ears are yeah.
1: less reliable than your Or if you're your a little meter.
2: hungover. Or if, you know, whatever. Or if you're a little no, emotional. No, no. <laughs> you would
1: never be. You would never be hungover no, no, doing a never. show. Never. No, I've, ne- or I've if definitely done, s-
2: never... <laughs> You might be drunk. I don't know. You, you know? might be blacked out. Look, I'm not judging anybody here. Okay, this isn't the career episode. Whatever. No, no, this isn't live sound judge camp. No. Although I don't, know, right, if can, a I don't know if you can joke. drink in
1: boot camp, but <laughs> probably not. But um, anyways, anyways, that was it. Was a nice aside though there to be able to jump into you know how you guys deal with uh, less than optimal mixed positions. Yeah. yeah. You know, obviously, the situation is a little different for monitors because if you're in a less than optimal mixed position in monitors, all you really, really, really want to be able to do is see the stage and see your important members that are up yeah. there. Yeah. And if you can do that, you can find your way around to everything else. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. It's more about sightline and cue wedge with monitors. Whereas,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pretty much sightline, cue wedge, and your own cue pack. As long as you know they're receiving the same stuff that you're able to monitor on your own. You're kind of okay. It's almost like your own little silent disco, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Dude, yeah.
1: <laughs> you get to, you get to bring your show. With right. You. Right. <laughs> All right. So, so we we talked about main PA a little bit. Yeah,
2: yeah. We talked about main PA. You know, there. So outside of that, outside of that main set of speakers, um, there's going to be other speakers. <laughs> uh, what, wow. what? What are those? Very, very, very elegant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's gonna be, there's gonna be another one. Uh, what, what are those? What what other types right, of right. speakers are there? What the, the other ov- purposes? The obvious ones are the subs.
1: The obvious ones are the subs, right? I'd say that's the obvious. They're the, the ones that obvious, you know yeah. shake that's, everyone's babies right out. That's yeah. what everyone wants. Is just it's more, more. sub. Yeah, man. That's you know I'm, I've always found that the the two things managers come up to front of house and ask for is more sub, more vocal. Is that oh. how it is for you guys yeah, too?
2: And they can fuck right off. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's literally the only thing a manager has ever asked for me at front house is
2: more sub, more vocal. And I always just go, just go up to the front row. You'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 tough to explain to them that you're murdering the people in front. Like we
1: we've, we've talked a lot about killing people in this episode. So let's, let's get deep into subs here. Yeah.
0: So subs are what we use to kill people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're he the
0: easiest dro- things to kill people with. Yeah. I mean, you could just dropping one on someone that would. That would do it, but I guess the sound oh too.
2: There are, there are people out there, there will be people at your audience that literally the sub level is what will determine if they think the show sounds good.
1: <laughs> this is true, especially if you yeah. work in, you know, hip hop, R&B, or, you know, those kind of genres. Sub yeah. is almost equative to uh, good sound. So subwoofers, they are the gigantic speakers that put out low frequency. I would say it varies by brand. But subs are considered 100 hertz and below, period. Yeah. Um, In my opinion, I like subs crossed over lower than that, but it is very brand specific. Yeah, Yeah, 85, uh, even 60, and then you got infras that cross over at like 40-something. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, But the point of subs is to put out low-end energy, right? And low-end energy is pretty much omnidirectional, and Mm -hmm. mid and high frequencies and all that are not. So getting the kind of SPL output and any sort of directionality you may need and and all that into a main PA is, is quite hard because physically larger drivers are more capable of putting out lower frequencies and et cetera.
0: But the gist is like having separate control of the subs also helps you compensate for like the loudness curve, right. Of human perception where, you know, you need a lot more yeah. des- decibels of low frequency to have the same, sonic impact as high frequencies and a lot more physical
1: energy it's 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 physical energy that's physical spl it is it is physical voltage it is all these things low frequencies take a lot of power to produce Mm -hmm. um so these separate boxes typically you know on the the most basic of system are stuck under the pa on the left and right side and as joe had pointed out earlier there is a pretty big downside to having a sub on the left and sub on the right As Brennan had mentioned earlier when we were talking about comb filtering, when you have two speakers putting out the same exact source, as you change your distance between one of them and the other of them, the combination of that sound turns into comb filtering. So Mm -hmm. in the context of subs, when you have sub on the left and right, and you're in the center of the room, they are the same distance from your ears, and subsequently, pun... (laughs) (laughs) they add together really well. So there is what is called the power alley in the middle. The beef zone. As you move slightly left or slightly right, you get a dead zone. And then you move slightly more left or right, and you get another kind of power band, and then another dead zone, another power band, another dead zone. And ultimately, it's just because you're moving in such a way that the distance between you and one sub and you and the other sub the difference in that distance is equal to some relative amount of the wavelength you're hearing. Mm -hmm. And that's probably also too mathy to get really, really deep here. Right. But how do you guys prefer your subs to be set up? Do you like left, right sub arrays? Do you like center arrays? Do you like them spread across the front? Do you like them flown? And what do all these things mean? Brendan, what's, what's your preference?
0: I mean, a line across the front can work. Um, you know, in the, the venue, the independent that I work at, I think we've got six just across the front, evenly spaced yeah. underneath the stage. And that, mm-hmm. that seems to do the trick there. Um, I've also, does, does that,
1: does that end up being pretty bassy on stage?
0: A little bit, but not, no, it's, not
2: too much. I mean, Joe, and it's, it's, have you it's pleasant. I've, I, it's pleasant. Yeah. You definitely feel the subs on stage, but it's, uh, it's pleasant. It's not too, uh, it, it's not overwhelming. It's not it's bad. A good, it's a good system. Yeah. Well, what's the size of the room as a whole? I guess I, I think that that's probably pretty relevant
1: to when to 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 the answer to how do you like your sub deployment? It's, yeah. I mean, it's a it, five hundred five
2: yeah. hundred capish room, you know, with a, with a small uh, mezzanine. So what do you got? Six dual eighteens? It's no, it's six B. What is it? B. What are they? B and D and B. Um, is it is it a single? Yeah, uh, it's a single 18, driver, I single twelve.
1: Okay, so you probably have the V sub because then that matches with your V series mains. Yeah. So a V-sub is already cardioid, if I'm not mistaken, which is probably why you don't have an insane amount of sub on stage. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got an 18 and a 12, it looks like, according to its spec, and I believe that's the mannerism by which they get the cardioid dispersion pattern.
0: Because mm. they've got, like, one behind the other. Yeah. Yeah, and that's...
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly more complicated than that, but... Right. Yes. That's, but that's, the the, that's
0: the basic. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what it, I was going to explain about another array that someone had shown me where there's one sub behind the other. Right. And the time delay that you apply to them makes it into a cardioid array. Right. Right. Of, of sub. Right. So like in this situation, we were in a big warehouse and there was like 50 feet of space behind the stage. And when you had the subs just normally, like as a like a, a stack of like two or four of them, mm-hmm. there was so much sub information going to the back of the room and on the stage. But it as made soon it as we
1: kind of cavernous,
0: yeah, it was crazy. And so as soon as we lined them up, one in front of the other, did the little delay trick, it just like brought all the sub to the front of the room towards the audience, and then like nothing. I mean, not nothing, but minimal amount a bit less bouncing off the back yeah wall.
1: I, I think i think that's a good point you know cardioid subs are a thing there are so many different ways to implement it uh, and many manufacturers have now implemented cardioid inside of the box itself just like mm-hmm. the v-series sub that you guys have in at the independent by having multiple drivers in it and doing some sort of time adjustment or, or something similar mm-hmm. in order to make sure that the majority or um yeah, the majority of the audio is coming out of the front as opposed to the back. Right. Um, when you do subarrays and kind of achieve the same thing using multiple subwoofers, the idea is still the same. You want the majority of the audio to be coupling in the forward direction and canceling in the rearward direction. Uh, I think a good point to make, though, is that when you do your own arrays that are cardioid, you're making them cardioid at a specific frequency. Mm. And because you're, you're doing your time adjustment based on that specific frequency mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, propagation time and, w- and wavelength and all that. So it's just, it's a good point to just remember that and know that and understand that. Mm-hmm. But cardioid subs are amazing. But that is also another whole rabbit hole we could jump into right. and go totally nuts. with. That could be four episodes on its own. Yeah.
0: All right, what's what yes. then
2: what's the next what's the next most common uh you know, additional type of speaker that you might run into?
0: Well, probably the next thing you're gonna add is front fills because if you've got a big line array or you know, even in a smaller venue sometimes, if you're at the very front of the stage in the audience, that PA might be almost past your head or shooting <laughs> shooting yeah, right past, past you into you, the middle yeah. of the crowd, you know? Uh-huh, so uh-huh. Yes, adding some front fills, either like on the side of the stage, pointed right in at the the front row, or kind of in a line across the front, can be super beneficial to you know making sure that the hardcore fans in the very front can actually hear vocals and like hear the mix clearly.
1: Well, you know, an, 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 another good point though about the front fills there is that those hardcore fans in the front might have subwoofers right in front of them. True, and if yeah. they've got subwoofers right in front of them and they don't have any sort of top-end coverage near them, it's just going to be the most miserable experience. They're going to die, right? (laughs) This is what we were talking about before. They (laughs) just explode. So in my opinion, if you've got subs going across the front of the stage and you have a barricade pushing people back a couple feet from the stage edge, I think it is imperative to have front fills there. Period. I, I I'm not okay with doing shows without them. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, I have many times because it was necessary. But you know, it's it should it, just be a requirement.
0: It actually surprises me how many times I'm at a show and they don't have front fills across the stage. Like
2: yeah, I feel like it's not a thing that people bring up yeah i mean it's just that yeah. it's that scenario you know uh that nightmare scenario you're, you're standing you're you're the person that's that stoked to be that close and you're just getting murdered with bass and you're like you know however many feet so close to like the the singer or whatever and you're seeing their mouth move and like can't hear what's <laughs> coming out of their mouth right because <laughs> there's just no <laughs> coverage can. and you're being destroyed by sub
1: yeah and you know there is also a thing to watch out for with front fills you know as you just said brendan you know you st- sometimes they get stuck on the outside edge of the stage Mm kind of pointing inwards a little bit. It is very important if you're doing that to be aware of potential feedback. Mm -hmm. And even if you got front fill spread across the front, like low end comes off of those back onto the stage a little bit too. Mm -hmm. So just be really aware of potential feedback. And in that context, make sure you have the ability to EQ your front fills separately, separately. from your main PA. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
2: This, is where, this is where the, the matrix path kind of comes into the play here, you know? It's like that's that's kind of a, one of the main reasons you have that that path. So you can control those speakers separately. You have your mix going to all your out, you know, to your left and right or whatever, and then your matrix outputs are what you can do to individually fine-tune those speakers specifically
0: yeah so um what else do we have what other speakers are we throwing up once we get past front fills
2: well you know it's kind of uh situation specific and and venue specific at that point you know um you might have if it's a you know if it's a big festival big outdoor festival you might have uh additional what's called delay towers so you'll have like other instances of the pa you know 300 yards or so away from it you know on another output and then maybe another one past that you know depending on how big it is um you know coming indoors you know we talked a little bit on the last episode about like a bar feed you know there might be like a separate bar area that has like a door to it and isn't in the venue space but they have a little tv and they got speakers in there and they're playing the show you know there might be a feed for that um,
1: oh ba- man! I always forget that they do that, the, oh, like yeah. the little TV that are in other oh, people's yeah. dressing rooms yeah. and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's cool. You know, yeah, you, you, uh, there might be there might be a balcony that has uh, you know its own point source box or its own little line array that that gets its own zone. Um,
1: you know, they may like be that. piping you into the bathroom.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Hey man, one of the one of the venues I work for in New York. Like I remember walking into the bathroom like my first week there, and I was like. Oh, Oh, shit, shit. you can hear the show in here through these tiny little speakers. (laughs) Oh, shit, pun intended. Sometimes it sounds Um,
2: better in the bathroom than in the main room.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of interesting, though, because it did give you some insight, though. Like, oh, this feed that's going to them is pretty much bandwidth limited. I'm only getting, like, I don't know, 200
2: hertz to, like, maybe 3K? It's coming out of, like, a radio speaker. Yeah, 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 it sounds kind
1: of like a little little AM radio. Like a morning
2: announcement speaker or something.
1: (laughs) One of the things to note about the delay towers that you had just mentioned joe is that sometimes delay towers are in mono so you're not Mm. sending them a separate left and a separate right so in the context of some of these bigger gigs you know you do need to be aware of how well your mix may sum down to mono Mm. if you've got some crazy Mm -hmm. stereo stuff going on that the moment you put it down to mono all these elements start disappearing um you should just be very aware that that might happen also in addition to that you know some of these other feeds we were just talking about um you know front fills often mono sometimes not uh subs often mono sometimes not Mm -hmm. you know a lot of these things uh, if you have to make a broadcast feed or a tv feed sometimes they take that and they have to break it down to mono too for certain things yeah so you know just be aware of those things and the opposite of mono
2: Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. I was just going to say, and when they're in mono, be sure to feed the left and right to it, and then, you know, attenuate both accordingly. Minus three, minus six, however you roll, you know?
1: Yeah. The The other thing I was going to say is the opposite of mono is there's also outfill PA. Right. If you've got a stage that kind of thrusts a little bit into the audience, often you've got a main PA that's pointed into, you know, the majority of the audience. But then you have audience that is basically directly to the left and right of the stage. You may have additional PA that looks like a main hang Mm -hmm. uh, stuck there. And in those instances, typically you set your main PA so that when you're looking at the stage, you've got a left and a right. But then on the left side, that outfill PA is actually the right PA feed hitting it. Right. And the PA that is on the right is the right. And then the PA that's the right side outfill is the left. So that in any of the positions of the audience, you get a stereo feed. So if you're way off to one side of the crowd, you get outfill right and then main left. If you're in the middle of the crowd, you get main left and main right. If you're all the way in the right of the crowd, you get main right, outfill left. So that you always get stereo.
0: Mm-hmm. This may be a bit of a digression, but Ryan, do you know like in those shows where it's like a stage in the round in a stadium and they have they mm-hmm. have pa hangs all the way around are they doing mono for each one or are they doing like pairs of stereo like do you no, know
1: it's, it's usually left right left right left okay. right left right so you end up with basically stereo everywhere but for some people left is left for other people the left physical side of them is the right side of the pa if that yeah. Makes sense. Gotcha.
2: yeah just changing okay. perspective
1: one more thing to kind of jump into before we move past just system design is, is sight lines. This kind of thing, it, it's, it seems like one of those things you'll never think of. Seems like a thing that doesn't matter, uh, but it comes up more often than you'd want it to. In fact, you know, since we were just talking about front fills, I've been told I can't put front fills on the front edge of a stage on some of my artists because it ruins the sight lines. Mm-hmm. Sight lines meaning, you know, the audience being able to see the artist. And if it means, you know, you're putting this, you know, one foot tall, two foot wide box on the front edge of the stage, and that might mean that the kids in the front couple rows can't see the artist anymore. Is this, is this a thing you've kind of hit before guys?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Certain scenarios. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's something you need to consider one way or the other, and you, and you may run into limitations and you may have to make compromises in your system design and coverage, uh, you know, to accommodate that, and the you know, typically the uh, the powers that be that are putting pressure on you to maintain those sight lines, You know,
0: yeah, it's all, it's also another case for the line array over a ground stack, right? So a hanging line array. You know, yeah, if you're doing ground stacks, and you're on the far right side of the venue, it's it's probably going to be kind of hard to see stage left. You know, if there's a ground yeah. stack, yeah, in front past of
2: there. that, past that big old yeah. chunk of speakers.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I've even been told that I have to have a shorter PA hang because, uh, we couldn't block the video. Mm-hmm. So we had to have the PA above the video and we couldn't run as many boxes as was deemed necessary to cover the venue properly because mm-hmm. video was considered a higher priority. Yeah. It happens.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks everyone for listening to another episode of live sound bootcamp. Um, we'll be back with another one soon. I think next time we'll be getting into system tuning.
1: Sounds exciting.
0: Thanks again for listening.